This is recording number 10926 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, May 22, 2011. This is the ninth message in the series titled, Doctor's Gospel, by Randy Bolt. This message is titled, Good Ground. We're going to continue our study today that we are titling The Doctor's Gospel because Luke was, who wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was a medical doctor, a physician. And uh, I can't help but consider every time I read his words that image of every doctor I've ever seen with the stethoscope around his neck even though I know Luke didn't own one because they weren't invented then, uh, I still can't help but imagine him with that stethoscope around his neck in a very spiritual and very meaningful way listening for the heart of Jesus. And uh, he, he was not a... Um, he wasn't among Jesus' disciples. He came... Uh, he, he was a, an associate of the Apostle Paul... And so he came along sort of after the fact, but gathered, uh, did an intense uh, research project of, of people who were contemporaries of Jesus and of every uh, available piece of information to present a methodical, as you would imagine, a scientific mind like a doctor has would be applied to this project. He attempted to be very detailed in presenting an account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And uh, so, today we're going to be looking at chapter 8 of Luke's Gospel and beginning at verse 4. And when a great multitude had gathered and they came, had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. I'll explain more about what a parable is in a little bit. A sower, and I don't mean a seamstress, I mean a farmer, somebody who is sowing seed, a sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed, and as he sowed, excuse me, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down. Now, what was trampled down was not the seed, but the wayside. So you've got to picture this. If you've ever had a, out by where I live, they just put, a, uh, put in a community garden. I'm not quite sure what that means. I don't know if that means I can go over there and take whatever I want out of it or, or what. But anyway, it's a community garden, and I've been watching with some interest as they established it and everything. Well, there are pathways around raised beds in there. Those pathways are where people walk, not where plants are planted, because the soil gets compacted. I remember one time when I was much younger, and Sue and I were uh, backpackers, believe it or not. <laughs> that should go in Ripley's, I think. Um, and uh, we were uh, backpacking up uh, in the Sierras and out of a place called Kings Canyon. And we came to the put-in area, or you know, the, where you depart from, and you had to register there because only a certain number of people were allowed on the trail per day. And that's because of the uh, impact to the environment and particularly to the trails. The more people that are on, on these trails, the more uh, the soil is compacted and compressed. And so when this passage opens with Jesus describing various kinds of soil, 
He says, he, he talks about the wayside, and he said it was trampled. And, of course, that would be the case. The seed was being sown onto soil that had been compacted or trampled. And the birds of the air devoured it. The seed could go nowhere. It just sat on top of this hard soil. So, this, so the birds, yes, you know, they swoop in and have a free dinner. Verse 6, some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some of this seed fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground. Others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he, Jesus, had said these things, he cried. Notice this. It doesn't say when Jesus had said these things, he said. It says, when he had said these things, he cried. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Apparently, this was important. Jesus wanted to make an impression. He wanted this to be known. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? Now let me tell you about what a parable is. A parable is a story that gets laid alongside truth in parallel. So you got truth over here, and you want to help people have a bridge of understanding from the truth to where they're at. So you put in a layer of a story, something they can relate to. That's what a parable is, a story that bridges from truth to the, under, the current understanding of the people you're trying to communicate with. Just like when I was using the illustration a minute ago of Sue and I backpacking. I was laying aside a story that you could maybe relate to to help bridge the gap between what you currently understood about uh, what, a way, what was being described as a wayside to what I wanted you to know. That's what a parable is. It's not uh, something designed to confuse or hide truth. Exact opposite. It's designed to reveal truth. Jesus was helping, Jesus was uh, uh, describing things that were deep and profound and in some ways mysterious. And he was trying to help people understand these important truths. And so he was giving them bridges of understanding, stories that would help them, a story they could relate to that would help them say, oh, that's what this is like. Sometimes people think of Jesus when he tells these parables as though he's trying to confuse or hide truth. How many of you ever thought that or, been, or kind of imagined that was the case? Yeah, but it's not. It's the exact opposite. And you need to know that as we go further. So his disciples, even though, even though Jesus has told them a very uh, obvious uh, story that would help them understand truth, they still don't get it. But he wants them to. <clears throat> and so he says to them, and in response to their question, what does this parable mean? He said, verse 10, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Understand this. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of Jesus. To you, it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, 
it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And I hate the, the, I hate the uh, misinterpretation of this passage that is often um, given when people study this portion of Luke. Again, it's as, they make it seem as though Jesus is purposefully hiding truth from them. It's like they say, okay, the disciples, this is for you to know, not them. Let me explain this to you. But them, I don't want them to understand this. I want them not to see. I want them not to hear. And that's not the case at all. And you're going to see from the context as we continue to read that it's, it's crystal clear that's not what Jesus meant. What he meant was it's, it's been given for you to know the, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But for those who hear but don't want to hear, for those who see but don't really want to see, I'm making this abundantly clear. I'm speaking in parables so they're without excuse. I'm making it possible for them to choose not to hear and not to see, but on the basis of choice, not because it's been hidden from them. Let's move on. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. When Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring uh, no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now notice Jesus, just the, the flow of his speaking continues right into verse 16. There's not a break here, even though often when this parable is discussed, we leave out what follows. But it, there's no break here. He just continues on and he says, no one, and that would include God, wouldn't you agree? No one. When he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Sometimes when people read this stuff, they make it sound as though this is some sort of warning. Don't keep any secrets because nothing you keep secret is going to stay hidden. It's going to come to light. You know, God's going to reveal all your nastiness. That's not what this is about. In the context of this parable, where Jesus says, it's been given to you, know, given to, you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Then he goes on to say, because nobody, when they have a light to shine, they stick it under a bed. They put it on a lampstand. God wants you to know. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. God is not keeping anything of himself from us. Therefore, take heed how you hear. That's the issue. Take heed how you hear. 
For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him. Take heed how you hear. How do you respond to the word of God? That's the issue. I mean, if you want to respond by turning a deaf ear, if you want to respond by closing your eyes, that's your prerogative. But Jesus is not going to let you do that without at least making it as clear as possible. That's why I said I'm telling parables so that even if they want to turn away and hide their eyes or cover their ears from the truth, they will be without excuse because I want this to be blazingly clear. A light on a lampstand. Take heed how you hear, how you respond to it. Verse 19. This is another thing where people, sometimes they separate this little uh, item out from the flow of the context. But it continues right on. Then, then, it's just part of it. Then, his mother and brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. The flow of this entire passage is about what we're going to do with this. How do we respond to it? How do we hear it? And Jesus describes the soil of a person's heart and how often the condition of a person's heart determines how they respond to the word of God. But the great news is that regardless of what the current condition of the soil of your heart is, it doesn't have to stay that way. So Jesus describes four types of soil. The first we're going to talk about is trampled terrain. Trampled terrain. He said there's some, some people who the soil of their heart has been tamped down. It's been trampled on. It's been compressed to a point where nothing seems to be able to penetrate it. How does that happen? Because we all know people, in fact, maybe we are one of those people whose hearts are hardened. And it's not that we want to be, we just find ourselves that way. Because somebody or some many bodies have hurt us, have trampled on the tenderest parts of our life. When that happens, it's, it's a natural reflex to want to protect that place that's been wounded, that's been hurt. Problem is, a hardness sets in that even the Word of God can't penetrate. And one of the most tragic things that can happen in this, in this um, instance is when people have been hurt by God or in the name of God. I can't remember the context. I think maybe it was microchurch this week. Maybe you guys will nod at me if that rings a bell. But we were talking about how when spiritual or, or Christian or you know, faith leaders uh, abuse their position or fall into wickedness or you know, fall off the deep end, however you want to describe it, how those who have entrusted these very tender, very sensitive parts of their lives to these ones uh, become deeply wounded. 
And as somebody who's been kind of uh, invited to uh, sort of peer into the um, soul issues of people's lives for many decades now, I know that this is more common than I wish. As in fact, now in our role as uh, the kind of pastors to other pastors, this is one of the driving forces behind my decision to um, accept that responsibility. Is I want to make sure that the pastors under my care are cared for well enough that they don't damage other people. But if you are the kind of if you are a person here today who has been wounded at the deep part of your soul, it may be that the soil of your heart has been hardened. And when that happens, it's really hard for the Word of God to penetrate. I mean, you can sit here and you can listen to me rattle on week after week. You can do other kinds of things to expose yourself to the Word of God. But if it seems like it's just kind of bouncing off... Maybe that's why. But it doesn't have to stay that way, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. The next kind of soil that Jesus described here was rocky soil. I call it the subterranean secrets because there's enough soil that these seeds germinate, but their roots have nowhere to go, and it can't get any moisture because uh, there's, there's just not enough soil to support it. it keeps the, the, the root system keeps running into these rocks, these hard places. And many of us, many sitting here right now, have stuff below the surface of your life, like little, little boulders, little rocks, that, um, you know, the hidden things of our lives, the things we... Um, don't want other people to know about. They can be habits. They can be uh, ways of thinking, patterns of living that we don't want exposed. Uh, And most of the time we kind of pretend, we pretend they're not there. And yet, when the Word of God is trying to make its way into the various corners and crevices of our life, it finds, you know this, there are places where it's just sort of uh, off-limits. It's like we have these little cubby holes or closets in our life and, and we say to the Lord and to, as he brings his word to bear on our lives, we say to him, here, you can have that part over there, but not this. Um, when that happens, Jesus said, yeah, the, the, the seed will spring to life, but it will wither. It won't last in the day of temptation because the root system can't get a hold The third kind of soil that Jesus described in terms of people's hearts was where there were thorns or weeds that grew up with the seed that was planted. It germinated and began to grow, but there were other things, other plants that were competing for the resources of air, soil, and water, sunlight. I know this because in my yard it is a constant battle. Me against the weeds. In fact, it's true here too. You may have noticed that out here in our parking lot about a month or so ago, 
Uh, I thought it was, you know, the, the revenge of the weeds, man. I, I didn't know we were going to survive the onslaught of the weeds that were growing out there. And we I had to hire a guy to come in, and they worked long and hard to, to remove them, to actually clear away all of the, the, uh, the bark, the, what do you call it, the ground cover, and put in um, a weed Resistant or, or the you know, fabric that, that kind of keeps the weeds down. And, and uh, so that's why you see some of the exposed fabric out there. We, we don't have enough bark yet to cover everything back up. It took a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort. Weeds are nasty. Weeds are nasty. It's amazing how, off, how much we tolerate weeds in our lives. The things that are stealing the life of God away from us. We tolerate them. Things that compete with the word of God in our lives. And I don't need to rattle off a list of those things because I think it's pretty obvious. But Jesus said, uh, this isn't going to work. In fact, he said uh, when he was talking about the... In, in Matthew chapter 6 where he says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things that are competing for your attention they'll, they'll be taken care of you can't serve two masters it's impossible Jesus said to serve both God and mammon the things of the world but we try don't we <laughs> I, I'll, I'll try I'll raise my hand I try it doesn't work doesn't work And so that leaves us with the fourth soil that Jesus described, the good soil. The soil that produces a crop a hundredfold. And I don't think there's any of us sitting here that doesn't want our hearts to be like that. We want our hearts to be a place where the word of God finds um, a place prepared to receive it, to respond to it. We want to hear and do We want to be ones who are not closing our ears to the word of God, not closing our eyes to the word of God, but hearing and responding. Jesus said, take heed, pay attention to how you hear. Now, let's go back and just talk about, because I said that before I let you go here, I said that if we find ourselves, the condition of our heart, the soil of our hearts, other than uh, in a place of being good soil, receiving the word of God as, as God intends it in responsiveness, we don't have to stay that way. If you're someone here today whose heart has been compacted, pr- uh, trampled on by others, even by people who purported to be uh, representatives of God, it may even be, I acknowledge this, you may even feel like God trampled on the tenderest parts of your life. I can tell you that's not true from an objective standpoint. But I know this. I know that for all of us, what we feel is the truth. It's the truth to us. So if you feel that way, I'm not saying just just pretend it isn't so. But I do want to say to you that everything we read about the God in heaven and about his son, Jesus Christ is that his whole interest is for your good. There's nothing you need to fear from him. Nothing. 
And I want to invite you today, if you are one who feels like the word of God is just bouncing off your life, it's not finding any place to take root, consider exposing your soul to him again. And that, that will take some courage. But oh, it's so worth it. To say, God, I, I, this is hard for me. But I long to know you. And I long to experience you. And I don't want to live this way any longer. So I, I just open my soul and my heart to you afresh. And I, I choose now not to keep my guard up but to let it down. Let your word find in me someone who hears and responds to it. If you're someone who today you know that below the surface that the part of you that everybody sees there are pockets of resistance boulders under there that um, you know you don't want to even acknowledge they're there. But you know they are. Things that need to change. Things that need to be surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. Pockets of resistance. Cupboards. Closets. Where things are hiding out in there that are doing you no good and more importantly doing you harm. I invite you today before you leave this place. Open them up. Let the light of Jesus Christ shine into every dark place of your life and bring healing there because, dear one, he can, he wants to so that the soil of your life will be rich. Soil of your heart will be rich, pliable, workable, aerated so the word of God can find root and grow. Finally, if you are one today and you know that you've let the cares of this world the pursuits of the things that this world considers to be important, to crowd out the life of Jesus in you, to uh, compete for the resources of your attention and your devotion with the living God, give it up. Really, seriously, give it up. Jesus has made us a promise. I already quoted it. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the other things you're worried about, they'll be taken care of. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That last few verses that we read almost sounds hard. You know, Jesus, his... His uh, mother, Mary. His brothers by Joseph, Mary's husband. They're seeking him. And one of his, uh, one of his uh, followers, one of his disciples comes to him and says, Hey, your, your mom's here and your brothers. And he's surrounded by a crowd. And it's almost as though it sounds like he's dismissing them. It's not that. You know that's not the case. Even on the cross, Jesus was making accommodations for his mother's care. John, take care of her. He was not dismissing them. 
He was elevating all the rest of us. Wasn't putting them down. He was raising us up. This is just an amazing thing. He said, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Wow. I want to be one of those, don't you? I want to live up to that. 